Hey everybody, it's Dave from Nerds on Film. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, why don't you come out and check out our other source of media? It's our very own website. That's right, ladies and gents. We have a website dedicated to both Nerds on History and Nerds on Film. You can hear the podcast, but you can read our blogs, live interactive content. Check it out. There is a feedback page. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. We listen because we're good like that. Anywho, check us out. Let us know what's going on. See you in the fun news. Listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Kevin Satorius, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. If you guys could completely recast Lethal Weapon, who would you choose? Question. Yes. Does it have to be Riggs and Murtaugh? Or can we just do another Lethal Weapon with newer characters? No, it has to be Riggs and Murtaugh. Oh, that, okay, that okay, sounds okay, like okay, that okay, sounds okay, horrible, okay, Brian. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Okay, and Joe okay. Pesci. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. So just for the hell of it, can we add in Joe Pesci's well, character? And Joe too? Pesci, even though that wasn't until the second, his character? third one. Vince, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, but no, yeah. it's Leo. Leo. Oh, Leo. Leo. Thank you, Leo. Yeah, because he was in two, three, and four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 I think we're going to be doing that a lot. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> My end of being the episode. Time. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, gosh. Um. I could probably think of Riggs pretty easily. Murtaugh is harder to do. Uh, I, I, I'm i working on my list. I have actually a really good Murtaugh, but I'll, I'll keep going because I'm... I'm going to throw thinking. one name out there right now. Just see what you guys think because he, he's old enough now where I think it would work. Chris Rock. Mm. To be Murtaugh? Mm-hmm. Nah, I wouldn't take he's it seriously. He's already been in a Lethal Weapon movie. It would mess up the continuity. Oh, fuck that. This is a remake. You're this automatically is... restarting the whole universe yeah. when you do that. Mm. That yeah. doesn't matter. Mm. I think people... The internet would have a problem with it, Brian. The internet has uh, problems with everything, Sean. I know. <laughs> <It's> I, know. <laughs> I know. I don't... I couldn't take Chris Rock seriously. Yeah, I all. couldn't either. All right, so if we're constituting a reboot, can we Even do Ellen Greer. younger versions of these characters? Because it's uh, constitution of the reboot is either younger or the exact same age. Well, see, that's the thing. That when I think of recastings, I don't like to think of them as, as reboots or remakes because I'm picturing the same exact script, the same exact director, okay. just mm-hmm. different actors. So let me rephrase this for a second. Then we should be casting people who are roughly the same age as the actors when they did the movie then. Yeah. So Aww. Chris Rock would be the appropriate age, I think, for Merck Tog. Um, but, you know, if you guys have someone better, please... Uh, Speak now. All right, well, my my one thought for Murtaugh is kind of goes out the window then, but I'll say it anyway. Anthony Mackie. I was thinking Anthony Mackie, too, actually, yeah. but he's a bit young. He is a bit it. young, but I think he uh, he can pull it off. And uh, the trailer for uh, this movie called Runner Runner that has Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck in it also stars Anthony Mackie rocking a Murtaugh mustache, and it yeah. looks so good. By the way, uh, total tangent, but did you uh, hear that... Anthony Mackie's playing Falcon in Captain America 2. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I've actually seen some of the uh, set shots, and it looks pretty badass. I've got to say, I'm pretty excited about that, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, 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 I totally He'd do. just be talking to everyone in his family, just ending it with motherfucker. He'd just be screaming. Get the rice, motherfucker! He'd just be screaming all the time. All the time. I'm too old for this shit, motherfucker! <laughs> See? 
I, I, as much as I love that idea, I don't think it would work. And he I don't think he'd do it. He wouldn't say crazy either, because he wouldn't say, Riggs, you crazy. He'd be like, Riggs, you must be out of your goddamn mind. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Yeah, yeah, I hear that too now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, fine. Fine. Well, there goes that idea. All right, so uh, Dominic Cooper as Riggs. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Dominic would- Cooper? Let me pull up a picture for you. Um, he uh, he's Just def- tell me what he's been in. All right, so most notably, he played um, what's his name Stark Stark's dad in he was Captain America. Stark. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And he Stark. was also yeah, right. in uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. He also was, and I recently just saw Dead Man Down that he was in in a uh, surprisingly good movie. Um, but yes, Dominic Cooper, I think, could definitely pull off crazy. Okay. Yeah, he could. Um, Ryan Gosling. <sighs> But that's just so easy. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he could. He totally could, and he could be funny yeah. too. Well, Mel Gibson was quite naked in the first one, and so I'm pretty sure that people would not be opposed Ryan to Ryan Gosling being naked in most of that movie. I would certainly not opposed to that. And, yeah. and I don't think he has an issue with that. So I think no. I don't I think, think, think and all out. six of his abs and two of his pectorals. Sean has something to say. Yes, sir. Uh, I think it would be challenging for Ryan Gosling, and I think he could do it because he doesn't. He usually plays like the quiet, cool kind of guy, and he he hasn't played a character where he's crazy the way Riggs is crazy. Very true. And it would okay. be a good departure for him. Very true. Yeah. Oh. Um, is it my turn, or are you still going, Kevin? Oh, no, no, no. I just had a, a fucking brilliant idea while you were speaking, and so I, I want to jump this in before anyone else continues. Go ahead. James Franco is Riggs. Oh. <laughs> that could work. That could that work. That could work. Okay. totally you, could okay, work. Ready for this? Ready for this? Jackie Chan as Riggs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and... Actually, no. Jackie Chan is Murtaugh. What? And... It's Murtaugh, by the way. I can't even. I can't even finish it. It's just. It's so ludicrous. So I'm sorry. No, I don't no, think ludicrous no, can play Murtaugh no, either. No, you cannot do that. You have to finish. <laughs> Touche. Touche. <laughs> well done, Sarah. Thank you. But no, you have to finish. You have to. Jackie Chan and blank is lethal weapon. <laughs> Chris Tucker. Thank you, Chris Tucker. No. As Riggs. No. What? No. Uh, no. We don't need another Rush Hour reunion. No. No. It's However, Mark Wahlberg as Riggs, actually, I think it could work. Um, Mark Wahlberg as Riggs could definitely work, though. Yeah. He's a bit older, though, than Mel Gibson was. Which is fine, because... the part, but he could he, do it. He looks young. Yeah, I think he could... Uh, can he pull... He could pull off the badass element of it. Can he pull off the crazy part? Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Thinking back to his performance in The Departed, yeah, that makes me think he could. Oh, that wasn't crazy. That was just dedicated. <laughs> yeah. No, but just to show that he can go edgy. He can go to, a, to an M edge of some kind. Very true. Sarah? I'm going to say Idris Elba ah! and Christian Bale. Damn it! Idris Elba, I agree oh. with. Christian Bale, I do not. I've okay. been holding Idris Elba here just waiting. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Sean and I are in agreement. I can see Idris Elba. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Especially if he has the Murtaugh stash, that would be totally. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that Christian Bale could pull off crazy. Definitely, he did in American Psycho. Well, I'm not saying he couldn't. Yeah. I just, that's for I sure. just, I don't see Are the part fitting for him. Yeah, I just think I'm over. It. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, by the way, um, I think you were the one that told me about the movie Loaded Weapon, or was that you? Me, it was Loaded Weapon. Okay, so Loaded yeah. Weapon 1. Loaded Weapon 1, which is a spoof on Lethal Weapon. Yes. Sure enough, Sam Jackson plays the Murtaugh character. It's Emilio Estevez as That's the right, Riggs as character. Riggs, yeah. Right. That's funny. <laughs> oh, and I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. John Lovitz and Tim Curry are also in Loaded Weapon 1. I gotta look this movie up. It's it's pretty bad. It's pretty horrendous, to be honest. It's terrible. We saw it in the theaters, I think. <laughs> no, we, no, we saw it on TV one night. Okay, Did so... We? Maybe you went and saw it, but I didn't see it. So we've got Murtaugh with Idris Elba, I think. We we can agree on that. That's, I think, uh, we we can agree with that. Okay, so... um, Binding resolution. Let's let's sit and think on Riggs for a second. What about Gary Busey's character, Mr. Joshua? Mm. Too blonde. Mm. Not enough mullet. (laughs) Jake Busey. Jake Busey, what? (laughs) Um, Not a bad choice, Brian. I mean, it is his son, so that's... Here we go. I, I have one completely out of left field. Benedict Cumberbatch. Whoa. Completely out of left field. Completely. That works, dude. That yep. totally works. I yeah. agree with Kevin. That was great. <gasps> that is really good. And I think I think he could pull off the mullet really, really well. I know, but it's it's the eighties and I thought I'd make an eighties um, reference, but clearly. Who else could do not. that though? Someone else could definitely pull that off. I got a rigs for you. Okay. And none of you have said it yet. I bet you're not even thinking about this guy. Okay, go ahead. Carl Urban. Oh. I Damn it, man. I actually think he'd be the good part for Gary Busey's character, to be honest. You think really? So? Carl Urban? So. Do you know who I'm so. talking about? Yeah. Damn yeah. it, man. I'm a doctor, not a raving lunatic. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yes. He was also exactly. Dread. He's awesome. Yeah, yes, yeah. he was perfect as Dread. Okay, so then who would play the general? Bruce Willis. <laughs> I'm going to say Gary Oldman just because I want Gary Oldman in yeah. every movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And he's proven that he can be good villains. Yeah. But though I feel like that'd be too much of a return to what it was like for him in The Professional. Oh, probably. But still, I just... Oh, think... then Janet Reno. <laughs> <laughs> We're just throwing out names. Janet Reno's dance party. <laughs> Janet Reno. <laughs> Let's just throw Natalie Portman in there just no for... Marsh pit. I no can't Marsh or whatever. Pit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sarah, I think we should add that Gary Oldman bit to this every time we do it. If we're recasting a movie, there's also the question, and which role is Gary can we Oldman? get Gary Oldman in? Yes, please. <laughs> because he needs to be in it. I, I think Gary Oldman should play the television. <laughs> for all the, for freaking all the product placement that happens in those movies, yes. it all comes through the TV. Yes, it it's is. It's very funny. He could just be all the characters on that television. He is the television there in that go. movie. Um, that would be Did really we try to recast Joe Pesci yet? No, because that we're, one we're definitely yeah, saving him for last. We have, are we in agreement on? But we haven't come into an agreement about Riggs yet. I think we just did. Benedict so, Cumberbatch. Yeah. No. No. no wait. Ben- Benedict yes. Cumberbatch yeah, 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 was yeah. not for Riggs. No. Benedict Cumberbatch was for the bad guy. Yeah. No. Oh. No. 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 I yes. definitely said no. No. We were talking about. We were talking about Mr. Joshua. Yeah. We were not talking about Riggs. Really? That's yeah. why Sean your mullet joke didn't take off because we were still talking about Mr. Joshua. Yeah. We're talking about Gary Busey's. Fine. <laughs> fine, fine, whatever. Kevin. My dream cast has just gone out the window now. Yeah, Thanks, Kevin. you guys. Kevin. You still have a dream okay, cast? Okay, 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 okay. You play Crazy Taxi Wait. all the time? All the time. <laughs> what about um? What about uh, Murtaugh's family? His wife, his daughters? Every single one of them should be played by Eddie Murphy. In yeah, we need to bring that back. I miss well, Eddie Murphy okay, so in a bunch the, of costumes. If that's the case, then Eddie, Murphy, then Eddie Murphy is also Murtaugh. Just make, he's the entire Murtaugh yeah. family. And the, everyone on the police force. Eddie Murphy is every person in the movie. Let's just do that. 
Ray Ray Murtaugh, Ryan Gosling, Ray's. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, and is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is the lethal weapon. <laughs> Um, all right, I think we came to an agreement. We agree. All right, awesome. Eddie Murphy and everything. Every Mur- Eddie Murphy and Gary, and Gary Oldman, Oldman. <laughs> is everybody. And Gary Oldman plays real life Eddie Murphy in it. Wow. <laughs> it's Eddie Murphy. And then Gary Oldman walks up in just like horrible, horrible makeup. Wow, this performance is so tra- transformative. <laughs> All right, so then, Leo. Joe Pesci. Joe Leo. Pesci. Let's do this. Okay, um, okay, let's do this. Okay, 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 okay. I could see, I mean, it wouldn't be the same type of performance, but, um, like, Jonah Hill. I think he could play, like, annoying sidekick kind of guy. He could definitely do yeah. that. He might actually might even be able to pull off the stuttering okay, too. I got a um, crazy one. Okay. Yo, go ahead. Aziz Ansari. Yes. Oh, yes. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He's from Parks and Rec, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. I don't oh, think we need to continue on. He's a comedian, too, though. He's hilarious. He's yeah. got some pretty good stand-up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we might have just hit the nail on the head, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Done. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. Wow. Handled. <laughs> well done. All right. Oh, um, what about uh, what about the blonde chick that dies in the beginning? The first one? Kate Upton. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, like, wait. you try to get Gary Oldman in everything. I'm trying to get Kate Upton in everything. Okay. And I'm trying to get everything in Kate Upton. Mm. Hey I said uh, I said Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Tara is Reed. Busted, Brian. Why? Just because she, you know, she. Okay, we, let's just okay, not talk okay, shit okay, about okay, Tara okay, Reed. Okay. Tara Reed. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy talk. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it, it, I mean, it really does kind of boil down to um, who do you want to see do some coke and then fall off the balcony and who's comfortable showing her boobs yeah within like the first seconds of the movie Kate Upton (laughs) I'm with Sean on this one (laughs) Kate Upton as Murtaugh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but, yeah back to Murtaugh's family though Eva Mendes as Mrs. Murtaugh mix it up yeah go interracial yeah mix it up Mm -hmm. I mean yeah I mean they don't have to be the same it's true and then Rihanna is one of the older daughters, even though I don't Ooh. like Rihanna. I don't know if I could believe Rihanna as Idris Elba's daughter. Or, or yeah, I don't know if I could believe that. Okay, yeah. I think screw it, just cast all unknowns for the family. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, it just makes it makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Give somebody a chance to shine. Maybe they can get more work based on that. Bingo. All right. So then Riggs is dead wife. Who's for in picture? Picture? Who's only in picture form? Yeah, in picture form. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan. Oh. oh, that's sweet. Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> Reproduced in drag in computer-generated yeah, with 3D. With really terrible makeup on the face. <laughs> Spending like $30 million just to re-generate. To, to and then there's a caption at the bottom of the picture frame, Bonacetta. <laughs> this is so Marlon. weird. Or I was going to make him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> This is so weird. This is taking a very, very sharp left turn. <laughs> Into the absurd. This isn't even left turn. This is making a left turn and then just doing donuts. <laughs> That's what it is. And me going, Wee! The entire time. There we go. Right. I wouldn't put it past them, though. What oh. would Hollywood do if they were actually casting this movie? All right. So Murtaugh is played by the Tupac hologram. <laughs> and then Riggs. <laughs> Riggs will just put Max Headroom in there. People still remember him, right? Awesome. Cool. All right. Who? And then Who? Matt Frewer. 
No, that was it. That was that was the end of my joke. Oh, oh. okay. Sorry. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Let's <laughs> and with that, welcome to Nerd Zone Film, everybody. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I am Kevin Zadorius. And I'm Sean Moriarty, who just failed at jokes. That's okay. You made so many other good ones earlier. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. We have you on record as being funny, so it's all good. You be golden all the time, Sean. In the words of Robert Frost, nothing gold can stay. Thank you, seventh grade literature class. Thank you, Outsiders, for introducing me to Robert Frost. I'm sorry, who? The, uh, the, outsiders, the Outsiders? It was a novel we had to... Nope. <gasps> sorry. What hole in Ohio did you crawl from? A very, <laughs> very deep, deep hole. It smelled like shit. How could you not know The Outsiders? It was can a movie, Can you be too. more specific, Kevin? There's a lot of those in Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, wait, no, I can't sing that song because I'll alienate a bunch of our uh, listeners, so... No, fuck it. Cleveland, at least it's not Detroit. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, can we sad. find like a, some sort of quartet singing that? Because that would be... I'll record all four octaves, whatever. <laughs> and, then, but then, but then put some like 70s style <laughs> accompaniment to it. And then a twang after at the end. Boom. Okay. And we need to have that ready by Tuesday. <laughs> Get on that now. You're excused. You can go just to record that. Kevin, we're done with you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been real. Once again. <laughs> that be, Actually, that needs to be added to the home game. Every time you guys every insult time we me. Kick Kevin out. Every time you insult me and want to kick me out, and then I say it's been real. I don't That's, think it's what we insult you. We're just dismissing you. <laughs> Bye, Kevin. But it, that, I, I, I view that as insult. All right, now that he's hey, gone. He's gone. <laughs> So back to the topic at hand. <laughs> uh, so we were bringing up Lethal Weapon in the beginning for a very explicit reason. Sorry, guys. I'm back. Thought you could keep me out. Not this time. <coughs> Clear the smoke. Oh, here. sorry. My bad. That's, that is that is all me. Hold on. All right. Uh, open the door again, Brian. Let's get some of that out. Is anybody going to ask Kevin how the hell he just did that? Just materialized <laughs> out of nowhere? Oh, you didn't know he, he had that power? Yeah. He no. <laughs> what are we doing podcasting? We could take over the world. <laughs> wait, Why aren't you in wait, several wait, banks right Sean, now? Sean, hold on a second. Um, I owe because you five dollars. Because when he dollars. enters the room, he makes a <laughs> noise. That's why. It's Sean, embarrassing. hold on a second. Um, I remember that bet that I lost to you, uh, and I owe you five dollars. So let me just teleport that to you real fast. Hold on a second. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Wow. Okay, this is weird. Oddly <laughs> enough, Sean found the five dollar bill in his asshole. <laughs> These are Dig deep, John. <laughs> his uh, his his accurate coordination skills not not so hot there. Um. Anyway, buddy cop movies and shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the topic, isn't it? Segway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't need a segue for that. I know. That's why I did it so half-assed. We were firmly part of the topic the whole time. Firmly. This is so bad. So we were thinking about what we were going to do for the topic this week, and somebody suggested buddy cop movies, and we thought that would be... That was me. Was it you? Yep. Yeah, oh, Sarah. So we thought we would go with it, and buddy cop movies are really... I mean, they're kind of a staple, aren't they? I mean, buddy movies in general are a staple, but buddy cop movies have been a staple since the 80s. Well, yeah, since the early 80s, I believe the first real buddy cop movie... Um, was 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I mean, Buddy Cop was kind of a, a more of a TV tradition. Like Car 54. Car 54, 
Dragnet, um, uh, Chips. Chips, Hawaii Five O, mm-hmm. um, St- Starsky and Hutch. Uh, all those are buddy cops. Magnum yeah, P.I. Street, streets of San Francisco. I think that's one dude. Right. Magnum P.I. Oh, yeah. But the thing right. is, some of those were procedural as well. Oh, um, yeah. So I, mean, I guess the genres blend. But it's interesting because when we think of buddy cop, we usually think of those, those as comedies. And they are most of the time now, they are done as comedies. But they're not simply restricted to comedies as a genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's arguable that X-Files is considered buddy cop. Yeah, I can see that. That's in- well, let's break it down for a second because what are... I mean, we don't need to define what a buddy cop movie is because I think we've we've gone down that hole before and we never come to a conclusion. Well, I mean, the, the thing that you find is a lot of very specific tropes. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's common yeah. tropes that you see in these yeah. films. Um, I think the biggest idea is that you have two, um, two people that are kind of opposing personalities, um, whether that's like the grizzled veteran and, and this over-eager rookie or, um, you know, the by-the-book guy and the you know, crazy loose cannon. You're a loose cannon, but damn it, you're a good cop. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, as long as you have those two opposing forces, but having to come together and work together, it's, it's, um, it's the, considered the odd couple trope. Yeah, it is. And I'm trying to figure out what derives from, because if we believe Joseph Campbell, everything derives back to seven stories. I'm sure that there's a piece from Shakespeare where you have the two people who are not really on the same side then they become on the same side i just can't think of it off the top well of my those head. are i feel like and actually it's kind of brought out a little bit more in hot fuzz as these these things are actually kind of developed as almost like heterosexual romances but if you want romance yeah but if you want to think about like much ado about nothing you have two opposing forces they come together romantically but they are two opposing forces yeah well that's i think that's a trope that's in common in all of shakespeare's romantic comedies sure is the female and the male but fall has, in love but, with each other so but that you know could have um developed into more of a heterosexual Norm. You hear that, folks? Buddy movies, gay propaganda. Totes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what are some of the really specific tropes. I mean, let's uh, let's talk about some of the common characters and things that you see in there. Well, there's definitely the plot device where there's always the inciting in- incident, but that's in every story. But the inciting incident is usually a murder or some sort of drug crime or some something like that. And a related circumstance that forces two cops to get assigned to work with one another. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's generally the, the first thing. And they generally. It doesn't do have to be, though. Why doesn't it have to be? Because there's a lot of movies. There's a, a specifically a buddy cop movie I watched today, which I didn't think was one until I watched it, but End of Watch. Yeah. Those, those yep. two guys in that movie, there's a lot of similar tropes that we'll talk about here in a second, but in the very beginning, they're already partners and have been for a while and have known each other forever. Uh, but they still have, uh, they're still culturally different, which I think there has to be some sort of contrast, but I don't necessarily right. think they have to be paired together so that in the beginning. Of, so that actually plays on the whole trope altogether because the common trope you see is that these guys don't know each other and are very yeah. far apart, but then through them having to work together, they end up becoming closer together. Yeah. Right? They end up being, it's kind of almost like whirlwind. They're thrown together and they have to learn to, to work together and appreciate each other. Right. And usually mm-hmm. somebody saves the other's life, etc. And occasionally speaking, there's the trope, it's not in every movie, um, where there something happens that puts that friendship into question or into doubt. Oh, like a certain amount of betrayal. Yes. Uh, and then they, they get it back together in the end. Uh, one movie that doesn't have that, though, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, that doesn't have that at all. No, but it does uh, have... Really are, are you talking Lethal Weapon 1? Yes. yes. Okay. 
Yes. Does it happen I don't later think on? Weapon yes. Two qualifies as a buddy cop movie because the buddy the, the friendship is already established. Nah. It just becomes a cop comedy. But, but no, it's but still Sean a buddy made, cop movie. Yeah, it's still a buddy cop movie because Sean just made the argument with End of Watch that they're already friends and they're already partners and that they're two dynamic type of people that although they get along, there are some differences. So at what point does Lethal Weapon stop being a buddy cop? Movies? It doesn't. I don't think it does. It doesn't. In all four, all still, four movies. Yeah. You still have two partners that have different styles that need to work together it, it, or different styles of how they approach the law um, or how they approach the situation or two different um, cultural backgrounds or um, just something that makes them notably different that kind of almost puts them at odds together they have to use yeah. that to use each other's strengths to work and together. that's the unusual thing when you get to buddy cop movies is same thing I think is true with Rush Hour 2 I didn't see Rush Hour 3 but once the friendship is established there's now the, the what's next what happens next to uh, push that relationship into new territories and what conflicts arise that uh, challenge it even further than they had originally imagined. So, And it doesn't need to be two cops either, because, I mean, look at 48 Hours, it's a cop and a convict. As long as there's just one yeah. cop involved, it counts as a buddy cop movie. If there weren't any cops, it was a buddy movie. But then there's like a gray area where if it's two people that are solving crimes, but they're not cops, it's still a buddy cop movie. In Question spirit, for I'm going to throw one out there. Sister Act. Buddy cop movie? Yes or no? It's just Whoopi Goldberg and some nuns. Uh, but there, there is, is the but she one cop a murder, who helped. And there's a cop who's helping her throughout the whole situation. Yeah, that's more... I wouldn't say so because... I, eh. there's, uh, he's well, a side character. He's not a focal exactly. point at yeah. all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because I was thinking that because the Mother Superior and Sister Mary Clarence, uh, they don't get along and then they eventually develop a friendship by the end of the movie but no. but their but their relationship has nothing to do with solving the crime or or you know solving that fair enough yeah okay that's 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 valid yeah and i love sister act i'd, I'd be more than on board Dude, to go sister with that i just don't a, think it fits <laughs> sister act is a staple of our childhood sean isn't it yes it is um and sister act two not so much i love that one i liked i like the what was the one they did on living color sister act three and as it, she was she was going undercover as a rabbi, what? <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Clarence. Although speaking of Whoopi Goldberg, she was in a buddy cop movie with a dinosaur. Oh, that's right, Ted or not Ted Rex? Yep. Seriously? Uh, yeah. Yes, it was Theodore Rex. It's no Theodore way. Rex. Yeah. It is. He's a dinosaur. Uh, it was like set in the future or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it right? was. It was this. Totally oh my god! Weird. I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. She was, and um, holy shit, you're right. That's <laughs> like that, that movie exists. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. Don't remember much of it. There but was another one where there was a little kid involved too. Norman Cop Jewison and a half. Cop and a half <laughs> certainly qualifies. Absolutely. As that. And so does Turner and Hooch. Of course. So Turner they don't all Hooch. have to be uh, be human. <laughs> um, but yeah, no Turner and Hooch definitely uh, a guy gets kind of given a dog that's a little bit more than he can more than he can take. Kindergarten cop. Yes, no. Kindergarten no. girl. You know, yes. it comes up on the list. Yes, it, it does. Only it? Because, yeah. Hi, on um, many lists. What's his. The actual woman that's supposed to be the undercover kindergarten teacher gets sick and turns out that she's pregnant. Um, and Arnold has to take over for her. And so there's that dynamic duo and they end up liking each other. Yeah, but the buddyism is, I think, more between the Schwarzenegger and the little kid. Very mm -hmm. true, but. If we're talking typical buddy cop tropes, then I would say that it fits in that category. Okay. Okay, so in Last Action Hero... Oh, oh last, also written last by Action Shane Black, Hero. by the way. Yeah, and in that one, I guess, in, like, in the movie Police Department, like, the, the joke in that Police Department is that they're all mismatched 
partners. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. How freaking hilarious is that? So it basically puts the, the buddy cop joke in there. Yep. And Shane Black was, um, what do you write? Lethal Weapon. Oh, um, wait, no. Didn't he also do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? He did yes, do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He directed yeah, yeah. that one as well. And that's yes. another buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's but the, that is the, totally... Kilmer's a, more a private investigator in that, though. He's not really a cop. No, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a private detective. Private detective, yeah, yeah. but he's not a police officer. So I mean, that's And that's really just splitting hairs, but yeah. But I th- I, um, I, I'll allow it. You'll allow it? Oh, thanks. <laughs> You'll allow thanks, it. Thanks, Overlord. Okay. No, <laughs> buddy cop I was, Overlord. I was quoting Judge Reinhold, not... Judge Mark Reinhold. Trio. Okay. With Judge Reinhold. Mark Child with Judge, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> My name is Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Yay. Um, wasn't there... Oh, God. Uh, okay, so what comes up on the list pretty frequently, which I don't necessarily agree with, Beverly Hills Cop, that comes up on the... On, no. I wouldn't say so well, because he doesn't I, have a partner, a specific partner. May I defend this, please? Go for it. I'd love to hear the argument, Sean. All right, so your main, the main cop is the uh, streetwise, wisecracking cop from Detroit, yeah. who's paired up with not one but two straight-laced guys from Beverly Hills, and that's why they're dynamic. They're the two straight-laced guys that are trying to do stuff by the book. Eddie Murphy's the streetwise, wisecracking. Let's you know bend the rules. Let's go around and do you know do stuff that we're not supposed to to okay, complete so, their mission. So even though it's really a trio, you would still argue that it's a buddy cop movie. Yeah, they're all buddies. Okay, buddies okay. cop movie. I'm gonna throw another one out there. <laughs> Teenage Mutant. Nin- I'm kidding. I can't even finish it. <laughs> like, How is that a buddy cop movie? <laughs> well, they're crime fighters, and they <laughs> they all are different. See, and I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. To a nosy journalist they who do, discovers, they do all have very different dynamic <laughs> let me, personalities. Uh, okay, let me read you a piece of the tablet that this story was originally etched on a long time ago, when the idea for the Ninja Turtles came about. It says here, um, Raphael was cool but rude. Uh, <laughs> Michelangelo was a party dude. He was indeed a party dude. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish, I I wish, wish one, I one of us could do, do like a really good Alan Rickman impression. Because we can do that. <laughs> Raphael was cool but rude. Michelangelo was a party dude. Harry Potter must die. <laughs> Harry Potter. I'm Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> Sean wins. <laughs> That's all I say. All you have to say is, I'm Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> was Alan Rickman in any buddy cop movies? Uh, well, Die Hard. So he wasn't the first of. Die no, Hard, no, right? No, Die Hard but is not a buddy cop movie. It is Die Hard with a Vengeance, um, Live Free or Die Hard, and then um, A Good Day to Die Hard are Those buddy are cop all movies. considered buddy. Okay. No, no, Die Three, Hard 1 and 2 five. are not buddy cop movies. It is all John McClane. But there's, there's the cop who's in the two movies. Um, Car- uh, oh, Carl Winslow. Yeah, Carl Winslow. No, but the thing not is. not his name, obviously. But, well, it's because. But that's how we all know him. <laughs> exactly. What about uh, Bad Boys? What you gonna uh, do? Of course. What you gonna yes, do? Yes, it is. But what you gonna do when they come for you? Yes. yes. Bad Boys Two, I think, should be stricken from the record. Okay. Stricken? Stricken. Please elaborate. Well, I'm just saying it's. I mean, it does technically qualify under all the rules that we've already established this evening. It's just not a very good movie. Well, sure. So, but not, it made neither a is Theodore Rex. Made, but we yes. still said it was a buddy cop movie. It, it made us. Stupid amount of money. And when I say stupid, I mean, how did it make that much money? Although I remember watching parts of that movie when I was a kid and being on board, and then I tried to watch it a few days ago, and 15 minutes into it, I had to turn it off because I was so yeah. bored. I'm going to throw one out there. Batman Begins. 
Mm, it is wow. a total buddy cop movie. Think about it, because Jim Gordon, the, the, a common thread throughout the whole thing is Jim Gordon working with with Batman. But we're see the entire conversation that we've had. Uh, you guys are missing one of my favorite tropes about buddy cop movies mm. that kind of is negated with uh, Batman Begins. It's funny. But it doesn't have to they be. They don't have to be funny. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It totally does. No, it doesn't. Seven is a buddy cop movie. Seven, Seven is totally a buddy cop and movie. Sure, and sure, I laugh my ass off during that movie, but not everyone does. <laughs> we laugh for different Kevin, reasons. Kevin, What's Kevin, in the my box? definition of a buddy cop movie always involves comedy. Okay. Kevin, I agree with you in that respect, but if for the sake of this but, discussion. But. For the sake of this discussion, we've already said it doesn't have to be comedic. So, therefore, by those rules, <laughs> you could. Therefore, extrapolate that to be Batman Begins. I disagree. Or, or we can just be all humans and have our own opinions. No! Okay, okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> and he's gone. And he's gone. Well, that was rude. I didn't I'll fucking finish his, my sentence. Back to his uh, secret chain-smoking habit. <laughs> That's why when he appears, he goes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying? How was your cigar, Kevin? It was fabulous, darling, fabulous. But anyway, um, fine. If that's what you guys want to classify Buddy Cops movies as, fine. All the more power to you. I think they should be funny. I think they should be funny, too. I think they're more... I think I like them more when they're funny, because it's like Hot Fuzz. It's like poking fun at itself kind of thing. But... Yeah, well, Hot Fuzz is clearly the parody. Well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it plays with the whole... Yeah. The whole story formula to begin with. Yeah. Um, well, Sarah, you had mentioned The X-Files before we had started recording. Mm-hmm. It qualifies because it was made into two movies... But I'm curious. I'm just why. saying it's a buddy cop dynamic because you have the the believer and the skeptic, and and they're Mulder always at, does crack jokes, so yeah. it does it can be funny to a certain extent. But it's that they're they're always at odds with each other's um, opinions. Yeah, and but they still work together, and they're still a very successful team. They care about each other. There's a friendship there. Yeah, it's almost and a scene. little bit of sexual tension. Yeah, yeah, I get all those things, but at the same time, I still feel like it's more procedural. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Yeah. I've got a question. Yes. What Sarah just said just made me think, if a movie has two cops and then they get romantically involved with each other by the end of it and they end up together by the end, does that change it from a buddy cop movie to like a cop romance? No, it changed it to a fuck buddy movie. (laughs) (laughs) So then we can immediately qualify Crash with that, couldn't we? (laughs) Wait, which one? Crash, John Cheadle and uh, Jennifer Esposito. There is oh, a, that's right. There is a quite gratuitous yeah. sex scene in that that's, movie. That's a yeah. fuck buddy cop movie right yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. I was very uncomfortable watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's only a mild trope in it, it's mostly movies about racial intolerance. But so. yeah, no, I would say to a certain extent when it becomes more about like romantic feelings, like non-platonic romance feelings, yeah. then that turns that it to a cop romance. Here's what I'm going to say. I think if the central theme of the story is friendship, then it qualifies as a buddy cop movie. And there has to be cops, right? At least one. Ends in friendship. Yeah, and at least one person. But is, the is, central is, theme is, is the friendship of these. Of or at these least guys. one person is law enforcement, not necessarily okay. a police officer, but is law the enforcement. FBI. I think that's be... the most flexible guiding principle we can we can give yeah. to this. All right. Very interesting. I like this game. Can I just say though, Forty Eight Hours was kind of disturbing in some parts of what you could get away with saying in 1982. Yeah, and please explain why. Well, okay, so. Uh, that whole movie is, is based on um, Nick Nolte. Is it allowed to take a convict, Eddie Murphy, out of prison for 48 hours in order to solve a crime that involves um, one of Eddie Murphy's former partners? And um, basically, Eddie Murphy's kind of antagonized throughout a good chunk of the movie because 
one, he's a convict, two, he's black. And so, like, they go into, like, a white country bar, and these guys are all dropping the N-word like it's no problem, and and antagonizing him. And, and like, yes, it's very much, very important to the story, I guess, or to the characterizations, but it's still, like, like the amount of times that they've dropped the N-word, it's like, wow, you can really get away with that. Yeah. And then um, Nick Nolte is just as guilty because again it's the opposing forces so nick nolte is also using the same language and they're always calling him convict and just trying to like make him out to be this label and this stereotype of a particular type of person eddie murphy's constantly fighting that but the thing that really got me was at one point right before they have it out and they start beating the shit out of each other in the street nick nolte calls eddie murphy a spear chucker (laughs) and that just like completely caught me off guard yeah I was yeah. like, whoa, you can say that kind of stuff? I didn't well, think that that was okay. <laughs> I mean, to a degree, that's the point of the movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, the movie does bring up, I think by by virtue of the fact, I, I think it's unfortunate that they have to basically make Eddie Murphy's character, that's his only really definable quality is that he's black because people aren't like that. People are more than just the color of their sure. skin. But they use that as the means to find a way to look past their differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that movie were released today, those words wouldn't be in the film. I think it would be too too charged. Of a I think it would not have... post only writings, I don't, no. I don't think it would have had the um, comedic elements that it ended up having um, because it, that now isn't taken as lightly. Yeah, ex- so. exactly. And, and I think the audiences, the audiences are much different now, and they'd have you'd immediately lose them with Nick Nolte's character. They wouldn't be invested in Nick Nolte's character today. That being said, that was a re- it was a Quite really tolerance. good movie. It was a really good buddy cop movie. Um, it's I, hilarious. Yeah, and I would say it probably also there wouldn't have been Rush Hour if it was there wasn't Forty Eight Hours. Even though the two characters, neither of them are convicts in that movie, the fact that they use cultural differences as the binding conflict of that yeah. movie. Cultural uh, differences, and one of them's very wisecracking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because of that, um, I mean, they even play with it because the wisecracker is the convict in 48 hours, whereas this one, he's the cop. Right. Right. So. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And then, so yeah. we do have Rush Hour, which is totally a buddy cop movie. Absolutely. And then also, Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights, also with Jackie Chan. Totally a buddy cop movie. <laughs> yep. Totally. Is he a, a sheriff? Because I know, because... Because Jackie Chan is a sol- an imperial soldier, but um, is... he's a former palace guard. What about Owen Wilson's character? He's an outlaw. He's just an outlaw. So, he's just an outlaw. But they, by the end of the movie, they are lawmen. I would argue that dep- based on Maybe. the time that you're looking at and uh, the time frame and uh, and Jackie Chan's um, role in his culture, I would deem that as, as a type of law enforcement. Oh, preparing for this episode, I came up with a lot of weird buddy cop movies. Uh, here's one. Wild Wild West. Oh shit! No, that's uh-huh. totally a buddy cop it's movie. Totally, it's totally a buddy, totally totally a buddy movie. cop movie. Can we can we move on? <laughs> can I just I, say I, I love Kevin Klein. I love Kevin Klein. I too. love Kevin Klein. I don't hate him in that movie. I hate that movie, but I don't hate him Kevin in that Klein movie. Kevin Klein cannot do a part badly. He's no, one of those actors. No, he no. will always find something to do with it that makes it interesting. Yep. Here um, I am in the minority again. I, I I really do like that movie. You were like three when it came out. That's why you like it. No. <laughs> it came out in like 98 or something. No, I definitely so saw he that was in theaters too. That still explains why he liked it. Uh, I, I remember watching it. I remember watching it. I'm just like... I mean, I, I, really, I mean, this is one of these first movies when I was about 13 or 14 where I actually started to understand distaste for movies because I was going there 
And I read the reviews for it, and I didn't want to believe the reviews of how bad it was. And then I watched it, and I, I walked out of that movie firmly in denial, saying, it was all right. It wasn't great, but it was all right. And then I was thinking, Brian, you're just lying to yourself. Uh, for me personally, that, that movie just didn't didn't well, work. I think it was... The, we've had this conversation on a podcast episode a while ago, but um, how Kevin Smith was brought in to write a Batman movie, yeah. and sure Superman enough... Superman movie. Or Superman, excuse me. And sure enough... Long story short, he doesn't do it, and that the, script... The giant spider, yeah. And, yeah, the, the element of the giant mechanical spider or whatever shows up in Wild Wild West. Right, yeah. Funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the movie still turned out garbage, according to lots of people. The only thing I find that's still kind of intriguing about that movie is the whole steampunk qualities of it. Yeah, yeah which and it was is really cool. Before yeah. steampunk was even called steampunk, but just yeah. this whole idea that exactly. they had high-tech and weapons. And I, I still think that there aren't that many movies that, that actually really feature steampunk the way um, Wild works. Wild West does. I yeah. mean... Back to the Future, argu- arguably in the uh, third one at the very end, is kind of steampunky With the and train, yeah. yeah, and then um, Time Machine, but that's yeah, that's very true. Clear. Time Machine, yeah, that one's kind of expected to be steampunk considering the time period, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other conversation. Borderline League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh no, 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 not no, that's borderline. not borderline. That is that is totally yeah. steampunk. Yeah. yeah, but they have a car in it though. That's yeah. the only. Oh, well, you know, I heard something about them actually making that a TV show. Uh, yeah, I heard about that too. It's already Ooh, gi- it's already given um, a pilot. Like they said, create the pilot, but they've already guaranteed that it's going to be a show. Nice. Before they've nice. even made the yeah. pilot, and Alan Moore has nothing to do with it. Which of course, is... he has nothing to do with any of his works that are translated to uh, film or TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, another weird one even though it doesn't involve a cop per se but I think it's because the dynamic works so fucking well is the rundown with The Rock and Sean William Scott yes yes it's they're, they're not it's definitely a buddy movie it's, it's no question he's not a cop he's a bounty hunter but we've established that any sort of law enforcement yep. is he a bounty hunter Booyah, I, thought, yes, I, thought he, he I thought he was a, a thug he, no totally a bounty hunter I feel so like, rundown's a buddy I cop feel like I a child who's lost his first tooth Yes, Christopher Walken, continue. <laughs> Boys, I want my tooth back. <laughs> now, I never saw this movie, but I know it's definitely a buddy cop one. Tango and Cash? Yep. Yes, yep. it definitely qualifies. Mm-hmm. Couldn't split up Tango and Cash. There's another one, too, with Charlie Sheen and... Oh, uh, damn it. Sorry. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> Emilio! Hey, Emilio! No. All right, it's Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Duck Man. I swear to God, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Neither Roxbury. <laughs> that movie is so stupid. Hey, hey is hey. that a buddy cop movie? You grab my ass, <laughs> sir. From where I'm standing, that's a physical impossibility. I know your tricks. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it. The movie is called The Rookie. It's from 1990, and it has Charlie Sheen and Clint Eastwood. Oh. What? Yeah, Glenn Eastwood ah. plays a veteran cop who gets stuck with a rookie cop, uh, and they have to chase down a German criminal criminal played by Raul Julia. Wow. It, was, it was directed by Clint Eastwood as well. Really? Mm-hmm. What about the movie Bulletproof with um, Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans. Yeah. yeah, I think that would qualify. Because, yeah. I mean, one of them's an undercover cop and like becomes realized, but then it's like a witness protection type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I would say that's a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. Royal um, agreement. The, the Glimmer Man from 1996 feeling, <laughs> featuring Keenan Ivory Waynes and Steven Seagal. Which isn't that the Isn't that the one where Steven Seagal has like a blade inside a of credit a credit card, card that he, he cuts someone's neck open with? What? Yeah. <gasps> I want to see me that. Quote, my favorite quote from that movie is when Keenan Ivory Waynes says, you should just suck on some deer penis. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that actually movie was pretty disturbing because there's a scene where... 
Steven Seagal's wife, uh, ex-wife, and her husband get murdered in their beds, and then they are crucified. They are literally crucified to their walls, uh, just to f with Steven Seagal. I can't remember yeah. who the villain was, but it was. Uh, it's got the classic formula. You have wisecracking uh, cop that's Keenan Ivory Wayans who gets paired up with a very stoic Steven Seagal. Exactly. Hmm. Who, of course, in real life, most people don't know, is a, an actual police officer. Well, now yeah, he now. Is. Yeah, he's now a sheriff. He is, yeah. yeah, he's a sheriff. And they have a TV show. He's a about sheriff's it. deputy. That's right. He is a sheriff's deputy. What about Double Impact? Double, <laughs> imp- double Impact? Yeah. Are you sure you're talking about the right film, Sarah? <laughs> yes, I'm not talking about a porn version. Um, John Claude Van Damme twice. He plays twins. Oh, that's right. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also a movie with John Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Too. Yeah, oh, that's definitely a buddy cop. That's I double team. Double team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's really double team. Oh my God. The, I want to just actually, can we just like play like the porno version of John Claude Van Damme movies? <laughs> or, or we should. Ladies just... and gentlemen, we should play a game called "Is it a porn or not?" <laughs> <laughs> right, or actually, just like start listing off all the movie titles that could just be their porn titles as okay, well. Listen to this. Apparently, Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi were in a movie called Red Heat from nineteen. Yes. Have you seen that? Schwarzenegger plays a Russian police off a police officer who is forced to partner with a cocky Chicago police detective when uh, he is sent to Chicago to apprehend a Georgian. Not the state, the actual country. Hmm. Uh, drug lord who killed his partner and fled the country. Yep. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the only Russian soldier with a thick Austrian accent. <laughs> <laughs> he really yeah. just can't shed that at all, can he? No. Holy crap. I like, remember hearing him say at one point that he was working on a New York accent for the movie End of Days, and then I saw it and was like, wow, there was absolutely no, no accent. <laughs> you sound like you were from New York. Do you know that uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in Red Heat? <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. He was in a lot of random stuff in the 80s. That's right. Um, I have seen this poster over and over again, but I never, never saw the movie. And so now that I'm seeing it, I'm like, well, hey, it's a buddy cop movie with Belushi. Might as well. (laughs) I'm going to add that to my Netflix list. So let's... You know, we've done a good job of listing things um, of like Lisa, of what kind of buddy cop movies or what are you examples know what? It's of. Good, it's good for our audience because they can, if they want to, no, clearly educate themselves more on the genre. No, then... no, I'm, I don't have any problem with that. But uh, let's, I, I do think that I want to talk about some of the tropes. I do think that there's, um, again, there's the rookie is usually mm-hmm. a character you will find in it, or um, if it's not a rookie, it's often a loose cannon. You have the by the book guy, the one who wants to follow all the rules, and you have to do everything exactly, you know, by the book. Or you have the the grizzled veteran, the one who maybe is kind of not feeling like being a cop anymore, or he's always trying to relive the glory days, which actually is a pretty good example. Um, if you watch, it was a very very short lived TV show called uh, The Good Guys, and had Colin Hanks. Oh yeah, and. That's what- that and was oh a god, good but show. I can't remember his name, but he was in Billy Madison and he was in um the, the, uh, Sunset Trip. Bradley Whitford. Yes. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> and he played uh, a, like a grizzled veteran guy who kept trying to relive his like glory days from when he was a cop in the 80s and he saved the governor's son. And that's the only reason why he's still on the force. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes of it. It was pretty there entertaining. Is. Or there's also the the well, if they're not the rookie, they're also the cops who have been partners for years. Yeah. You know, and they're in some sort of bind. Sure, sure. You know, it's more their personal lives, but they also happen to. Yeah. It somehow ties into the case they're yeah. working. Yeah. Um. Quite more often than not, they there's always a single person, 
like a single man I mean, let's be honest, they're mostly men, but they don't have any like familial attachments or anything like that. A lot of yeah. times they're single or they're or divorced. Or they have broken families. Yeah. yeah. Um, broken heart. Especially when yeah. you see them on TV shows, they're allowed to do that because that way um, you can, you're able to get the babe of the week kind of thing. So have like a, you know, parade of women come through. Yes, Sean. Yeah. I think that there's also a dynamic I see in a lot of different buddy cop movies where one of the two cops or one of the characters is a, you're seeing a relationship with a lady or a guy develop and then they use that later as either they get kidnapped or they get killed or mm-hmm. that that cop dies and, and they just got married and it makes it more you know more yeah it makes the audience more sad that's that's something they put in there a lot right Indeed. right absolutely um sometimes you will always have the that you have the chief the one who's trying to get them to work together like you guys have to work together or yeah. like i can't put up with your shit anymore and yeah like he's he's in your corner but he has to you know play the authoritative role and yeah. like reeling them in you know do your job but not with that much destruction that type of thing right right i feel like a lot of the situations i mean at least to make it a, an entertaining movie the situations are something that's like way higher level than i think most local police offices will ever deal with um you know like these like in lethal weapons like a huge major drug bust that involves like an entire ring of former special forces operatives and helicopters and explosives and stuff so i think it's always kind of like blown out thing and then i think with a certain amount of of buddy cop movies that were made in the 80s and the 90s the soundtracks were very specific. I feel like there's always like some kind of electric blues riff. <laughs> and, always, and then like a saxophone. Yeah. yeah. A saxophone yeah. to punctuate like tense moments. I oh, know. Yeah. Oh, oh um, just to kind of like literally jumping off that point. Um, my favorite buddy cop movie that's tied with Hot Fuzz is uh, The Other Guys. That came out in 2010 with Mark Wahlberg and oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Um, that movie is... It is literally the best definition of a buddy cop movie, in my opinion, without it getting too parody style mm-hmm. like Hot Fuzz is. And the best part is, apart from Ice T narrating this whole movie, um, they do have the saxophone and the electric guitar riffs like between moments, and it's hilarious. That's amazing. Because it's all, like, of course, the callback to Eric Clapton's score for *Lethal Weapon*. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. absolutely. But it's like it's totally funny because that entire movie, it's like playing it straight uh, as a buddy cop movie with like lots of hilarious moments but there are these tiny little bits and pieces are that are callbacks to other uh, really popular buddy cop movies and it's definitely that saxophone guitar riff that's, that's, that's totally a thing like you have like mel gibson sitting there crying contemplating suicide while looking at a picture of his wife and then you've got like the saxophone playing the and sad it's, saxophone. it's just so yeah <laughs> it's just like how looking back on it like you yeah. can't you almost can't take it seriously now yeah, yeah. but it's, at the time it's pretty much that movie and hot fuzz borrowed so heavily from lethal weapon yeah at that point that it's just it's it's i mean it's obviously hilarious when, can we, we talk about hot fuzz now yes we can but before we do that i okay. wanted to ask about the elephant that's in the room sean wow that is a really big fucking elephant where'd it come from <laughs> oh god it smells so bad sean shall we cop out Oh, cop out. Now, my friend Dan, you guys know Dan. He did an episode of Nerds on History. Yes. Dan told me, after he saw Cop Out, it's an 80s classic. And even though it came out in 2010, somebody who appreciates those movies from the 80s can appreciate Cop Out. Absolutely. It is a stylistic callback to 80s buddy cop movies. And I think the worst crime that Cop Out had was uh, the studio forced them to change their title from A Couple of Dicks 
to Cop Out. I agree. Yeah, a couple of dicks. And I think Cop Out was was a double entendre. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. Kevin Smith uh, openly. So was uh, a couple it. of dicks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a. It can be a double entendre. It could be Sarah's Tuesday night. It could be. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Wait, did Sean, I? I'm Sean, sorry, Sean. I, that goes without saying. I mean, come on. <laughs> No. What? And Sean, it's, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Okay, it's not a couple of dicks. It's not my Tuesday night. Okay, it's Wednesday. That's Monday, <laughs> and it's called a handful of dicks. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. It's actually called the French bouquet. Do you fan? Do you fan them out like color swatches? <laughs> so you can see all of them and choose which ones first. I'm not even gonna dignify that. Okay. <laughs> We're getting a little too personal here. What I do with my own time is my business. Uh, the image that just got burned into my head is shocking. I'll just say that. It's okay. You can use that later. I'll give you permission. So, <laughs> no part of that so, image, so I, I don't find any part of that image remotely uh, enticing. No offense. Just this image, because, I mean, if you're going to get a handful of dicks... Sure. I mean, these guys have to be sitting, like, laying down in, like, a star formation. And, like, or how they, they have to be... No, they, they can... would have to be standing up close together. Right. Rod's touching and in order to force up. Right, so then you're in this kind of... Like a wagon wheel. At that point. <laughs> and just like, what the fuck is going on? Actually, no, they're completely yes. disembodied. Oh. 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 Well, my, my penis is now just for show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anywho... Um, you know, I've actually. This concludes I've, the disturbing uh, part of the episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, speaking of of cop out, though, I mean that's that's one of the one of the two movies that I think Kevin Smith he likes to poke fun at himself before other people get a chance to. Yeah, it's so that in Jersey Girl, and that in Jersey Girl, and um, if you listen to Smodcast or if you listen to any of Kevin Smith's talks, he's always kind of. Um, there's always a little bit of a twinge of regret, I think, when it comes to Cop Out, and I think he, uh, well, apparently he just had a really bad experience working with Bruce Willis. uh, Sadly, I think that was the movie that clinched him deciding he didn't want to be a film director anymore. Yeah. Because uh, he felt, I mean, I I, I don't want to speak for him, but from everything he said from his podcasts, um, just the overall experience of what happened with Zach and Mary make, make a porno, not doing financially very well, and neither did, did Cop Out. And Cop Out had the... It was his, that was his biggest movie when it came to budget, mm-hmm. marketing force behind it with Warner but Brothers. But it also... He didn't, he didn't, he didn't write, write it. it. He didn't write it. That's what and, I think the big, big, biggest difference was for him. And the only reason he did that was because of the way he felt after Zack and Mary make a porno. Because he said for sure he didn't want to write something after Yeah, he that. said he didn't... Yeah, but when it, when it was totally his baby... And it failed. It hurt him way more. So he was, you know, he was he was a little guarded, and he wanted to do something that was someone else's that he wasn't producing. Scott wasn't yeah. producing. He didn't write it. But he did, he did edit, edit it though. He did edit it. Yeah. And the and editing's not bad. I don't think it's a bad movie. I honestly enjoyed it. It's funny, but it's yeah. out of time. It's a movie that's out of time. If that was made in 1988, it would have been way bigger. I think the audience that was meant for didn't go out to see it, and the audience that doesn't get it is who saw it and who hates it. You know, the funny thing is, is, and I don't want to make this a Kevin Smith podcast right now, but um, I do think that uh, I feel the same way about Zack and Mary. I think if Zack and Mary was made in the mid-90s, it would have been totally different. Mm-hmm. Because the problem is, is when you when it came out, it was too closely compared to Judd Apatow comedies at the same time. Yeah, and it felt right. like Kevin Smith doing a Judd Apatow movie. So Yeah, I think eventually all those films will grow to find their own audience much later on. Interesting side note, though. Do you guys know who the composer of Cop Out is? Hmm. I do. I know you do, Sean. Shall we say it three, two, and go on one? 
Here we go. Three. Uh, I'm, okay. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead and say it. The guy that did Beverly Hills Cop theme. I don't know his Harold name. That's all I know. Faltermeyer. Yes. Interesting. Yes. He did Beverly Hills Cop, The Running Man, and Top Gun, as well as Beverly Hills Cop 2. He did Top he Gun. He did Top Gun. He did Top Gun. So it was him and Kenny Loggins are yep. responsible for how awesome that soundtrack is? Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, it felt like I was watching a very specialized version of An Beverly 80s. Hills Cop. Yeah, it yeah. like... That makes so much sense. I it had does. no idea how much that guy was a part of my life because every time after I have an orgasm and I'm finished, I click on that song from the end of Top Gun that goes. I thought for a second there, Sean. I thought you were about to say, "Take my breath away." <laughs> that is my least favorite song ever. I, I played that, that song. song before. Oh, <laughs> Sean. really? Really? Do you time no. it? Do you before, time it right before and then right after? See, th- that's funny because the song that I play right before is Highway to the Danger Zone. And rightly so. And afterwards, it's the one from the volleyball scene, playing with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as long as we're talking about that, um, I like to do the Ferris Bueller theme song uh, right before I masturbate. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bam, Wait a second. Bam, bam. Because for me, it's a Superman theme. Oh. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> and the thing is Dad, that... I am so sorry. The thing is I am so sorry. <laughs> I actually believe you. <laughs> no, I'm actually The rest totally of kidding. us are joking. I believe you. <laughs> I thought it would fit. Yeah. I thought it would fit. That's what he said. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or she said. Dad, again, I am so sorry. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> hey, Mr. Moriarty. <laughs> if my parents are listening, you knew what you're getting into. <laughs> I think I've explicitly told my parents to not listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, my dad just—he—he's okay with it. He's fine. He actually—the only thing he opposes to is our—is uh, the amount of swearing. The amount why? Of it. Not that we do it. Just Fucking the why? <laughs> I don't think Sean. we actually swear that much. We, nah. Yeah, there's some episodes where we. Do I know that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake, Fucking Sean! Bullshit. God damn it! <laughs> I. I actually, well, I actually swear less on the podcast than I do in real life. You hear that, folks? You hear it? Yeah. Good. Let's move on. All right. Yeah, let's fucking move on. <laughs> hey, buddy cop movies. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, I want to go back and talk about Hot Fuzz. Yes, yes please, please. Please, 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 please. Pick me. Pick me. I want to. Uh, Kevin. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I have a huge man crush on Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. Uh, whenever the three of them work together, they make movies that fit every everything that I want out of a movie in terms of action, humor, suspense, drama, and characterization. This movie was what clinched it for me for Simon Pegg being a legit actor. What I mean is Nick Frost is hilarious, but he's the same character in every movie. When you look at Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead to him and Pot Fuzz, they are two totally different characters. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's really, really good. And funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. I adore Simon Pegg. Yes. And of course, Scotty. Adore. Scotty all the way. He's great as Scotty. Yes. Um, I think uh, my, my favorite trivia bit about... Um, Hot Fuzz is the one shot near the end of the movie, right after they uh, shoot the doctor in the leg, and uh, Simon Pegg goes, "Yeah, doctor, get used to it." And then Nick Frost goes, it, yeah. "Yeah, motherfucker." And then um, they have like this rotating camera around them that is very, very. And they're putting uh, on the aviator glasses. Yeah, that's that's right, that's right. Yeah. Um, but this shot is very reminiscent of the scene in Bad Boys Two where Martin uh, Lawrence gets the call that his daughter is kidnapped by the drug lord that they're pursuing, and he goes, "This shit just got real." And so, in order to replicate that as much as they could, they literally rented 
a motherfucking Segway, created a mount for the camera, and so there's there's footage of the, one of the cameramen literally on a Segway going around them as they're sh- shooting this take, and it's hilarious. And he's wearing a helmet, too. <laughs> That's funny. That's really good. You know my favorite part of Hot Fuzz is the Romeo and Juliet production. Because <laughs> they just do the Baz Luhrmann version. They're just like, love me, love me, say that you love me. <laughs> what I thought was really funny was uh, when, we were, when Kevin and I were watching Lethal Weapon the other night, there's a scene where, uh, was it Busey who drives over the, the fire hydrant? And yes. That thing? Yes. And then... I was I was immediately thinking, oh, that's where they got it from, yeah. and not fuzz because that whole final epic fight scene takes place with them in the rain between the rain. James Bond and <laughs> an James old Bond. grizzly James Bond inside right. bed. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think uh, the editing style that Edgar Wright had for this movie was definitely what the movie needed to maintain that allure of a buddy cop movie because it's very frenetic nowadays it's very frenetic fast paced um very lots of jump cuts it is a lot of jump cuts and you know frankly yes it kind of helps them save money a little bit on the stunt work that they're doing and everything and i understand why they do it but for god's sakes it really makes me nauseous sometimes especially (laughs) when i see it in a movie theater because i get motion sick and when i was watching re-watching lethal weapon and watching the end fight scene there yeah very jump i was like i don't know i I feel like happy but it's intentional though it's the director's making the choice to create that feeling of frenetic energy and that yeah. feeling of chaos in the, a way. The one yeah. thing that um, I think Edgar Wright definitely honed in on in terms of his signature style that was introduced in um, Shaun of the Dead but was really pontificated in uh, Hot Fuzz is that cinemagraphically he will create very brief moments of a character doing something in order to progress the scene further. Like, for example, with uh, Shaun of the Dead, you have Shaun um, putting on his name tag, jump cut to brushing his teeth, jump cut to flushing the toilet, and then continue on with the scene later. And then in Hot Fuzz, they do this all the time, especially when they're getting all the guns and they're like, you know, mount. He's mounting up. He's putting on all the arsenal on him. It's like. Was anyone else feeling that was a callback to to like the Batman movies? I feel like that's a callback to Evil Dead. Probably because if you watch Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, they do that all. The it's it's time. in really it's not really yeah. darkness too, but it's mm-hmm. all with the scene where they're making the uh, mechanical hand for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Groovy. Well, they, I, they do it a lot. They've done it in, in other moments in that in those movies yeah, too. Sure. So I feel like that that like cut zoom cut zoom cut zoom. That's very I don't know. I just I always feel like that always whenever I see it, it reminds me of of Evil Dead. Nice. Okay. And then uh, I got to say, Dreamcast, a, a veritable Dreamcast for Hot Fuzz, having some veteran film actors and actresses. Spoiler alert turns out to play the villains it's like it's so freaking brilliant especially yeah. belloc belloc is in this movie james bond is in this movie um one of the villains from uh, lethal weapon 3 i think it is is also in this movie as well so all of these uh acting choices that they made are all callbacks to all of these other cop related action based well movies. let's talk about who these actors are because you've got bill nye who plays the uh, condescending uh, chief inspector? I love, <laughs> I love Bill Nye and everything. Yeah, um, I, I have too. yet to find him in something. And also, that I is didn't it Martin like. Freeman? Yes, Martin Freeman. Uh, he plays he plays the cop that tells Simon Pegg he has to go away. It's so funny. Yeah, he plays he's it great, so, man. It, he plays even though he's on screen for like less than like five minutes in the whole movie. He plays a completely different character than anything else you've ever seen him in, including The Office and The Hobbit. Um, yep. And Sherlock as well. It's just very and Hitchhiker's du- Guide to the Galaxy and Hitchhiker's Guide yes, to the indeed. Galaxy. But it's just a very douchey, uh, self-obsessed uh, character, and I just I keep laughing because I'm like, that's not you, Martin Freeman. I'm pretty sure I want to marry Martin Freeman. <laughs> and of course, we have Jim Broadbent as well. Yeah, playing the uh, the chief from the country. 
That's right. Oh, that's right. There's two police chiefs in this movie. I forget about that. Um, yeah, really great a dynamic between uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and they totally fall into the tropes of the action uh, buddy cop movie where it's their complete polar opposites, and they eventually like meld each other into almost the same person, if you think about it, because they're, they start out as complete polar opposites. And right near the middle of the movie, they start to see their own faults and trying to feed off of one another in terms of how to better themselves. Well, and then the, by the end of the movie, they're almost the same person. Well, let's talk about what those polar opposites are. You have, uh, with Simon Pegg's character, he's very much, he's the by-the-book guy. Yes, Nicholas Angel. Yes, he's the one who has to, you know, follow all the specific rules of, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and that's how I'm going to get my glory. Yeah. Where Nick Frost is like... I just got to wait for my one big moment and it's going to be something just like a freaking movie. And when that happens, that's when I'm going to get all my glory. Yeah. But they, I feel like they both have a, a very um, distinct, similar end point. Yeah. Um, and I love it how, uh, again, falling into the buddy cop movie tropes, um, Nicholas Angel is someone who can't switch off in terms of being a cop. And like, uh, ironically, oh, oh my God, what's her name? Um, who plays Lady Galadriel in Lord of the Rings? Kate Blanchett. Yes, she's totally in the movie. Yeah, she is. She plays a brief. Well, you can tell from her eyes and from the way from her her voice. Her, her voice, yeah. But I unfortunately I, I didn't realize that until somebody told me, and now I, of course I totally yeah, see. I it. think it took me to the second viewing. Yeah. of it for me. To figure and it's it out. it's hilarious how uh, that entire conversation that Nicholas Angel has with his ex um, it basically pontificates every like major. Uh, action star in a buddy cop movie where they're talking about like the decreasing love that they have in their relationship and I just I find it hysterical that it's and they play it straight too oh and then by the way yeah the whole um, origin story of Nicholas Angel just setting himself up for like being the best at everything yeah. and of course you guys know who the, the Santa Claus is who stabs him through his hand right? Peter Jackson Peter Jackson of yeah. course yes not everybody knows that yeah exactly oh how have we not brought this up in terms of formulaic buddy cop movies? There's a big twist at the end of every single one of them. Somehow, like, there's there's a twist in terms of a character's revealed to be the villain, or, like, the whole guise of why they're going after this bad guy turns out not to be the same thing. Well, I can't wait to see M. Night Shyamalan's buddy cop movie now. What <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. a twist to be like that? The whole time they weren't cops. They were the bad guys. The whole time they, they were, were the bad the, guys. They, they were, were in dead insane the asylum. whole time. In the future, bad guys wear uniforms, <laughs> and the good guys dress like normal people. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, if you want to... it was the trees the whole time. Actually, funny then, you say they were in insane asylum the whole time. Shutter Island kind of almost is sort of a little bit of a buddy cop movie, no. kind of. Is yes. that a little thin? Yeah, is that no, a little I too would, thin? I would say there's, I think there's that's some very, tropes very thin, that falls into. But with, with Mark Ruffalo and, and Leonardo DiCaprio... Yeah. In the beginning, a little bit. I don't know. It's very I thin, it. but I'm it's. Sorry. I mean, I'm just. I would say there's. Tropes, I'm saying yeah. there's there's interesting elements mm-hmm. that are buddy cop like. I agree to that. Okay. <laughs> Mostly because I love that movie. That's a really good movie. <laughs> it is a really good. It's movie. It's pretty underrated, I think. Oh, absolutely. All right. So let's see. Anything else about Hot Fuzz? Nope. I think we've said it all. I think we covered that. Cool. I'd like to talk about where I think the buddy cop genre is going. Oh, well, please do, gone, Sean. Right. Awesome, yeah, because, I mean, if you look at it, you had a couple movies, one in the 40s, a couple in the 60s, that were kind of setting the bar, like, kind of helping define buddy cop movies, and then in the 80s is when they were prevalent. In the 90s, they kept, early 90s, they kept going, and then all of a sudden we start seeing less and less of them. And the ones that we're seeing today, I think, have more of a serious tone. I think that they're not necessarily comedies. They do have funny moments in them. But, like, look at Training Day or End mm. of Watch, like I just said. End of Watch has got a very gritty tone to it. 
I think the yeah. buddy cop movie, in order in order for them to keep making it interesting, the formula that they were using was so tired. I think they're going with a more gritty well, approach. Yeah, like actually, Sean, I have one movie to completely agree with you on on that uh, concept: uh, the Miami Vice movie, the yeah. Miami Vice TV show, straight up buddy cop, but it was more or less lighthearted. And then Michael Mann decided to make a movie version of it. Um, and it's extremely dark and very gritty. serious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very serious. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or you just change them and make them both females because they've never done that before. Before the recent The Heat. Yeah, which unfortunately none of us have seen. I was going to go see it earlier today, but I missed the showtime. Yeah, it's a bummer because I wanted to see it as well. Yeah, but I think what really is the most compelling part of everybody cop movie, which is you know whether you do. A comedy version, whether you do a parody, whether you do something that's a little bit more loving, or whether you do something that's more gritty, like Training Day, the idea is that watching this friendship, this relationship develop is probably the most compelling part of it. That's what really makes it interesting for audiences to view. I don't think it's anything to do with the storyline, because as we were watching Lethal Weapon 2 last night, and, you know, enjoying ourselves and having a really good time, and it was like five of us, or four of us, because I can count... Well, five if you want to count the cat. It was you, me, yeah. Kevin, and Eric. And the cat. Tigger. Tigger! Let's not forget and Tigger. And the cat. Yes. <laughs> and the cat. Um, but while we were watching, I mean, how much were we actually paying attention to the plot? I mean, Brian, you fell asleep halfway through, and then the rest of us were, like, joking around and talking about screwing with you while you were sleeping. <laughs> and so, um, and Is so, that why I woke up with a sock in my ass? <laughs> yes. And so, and oh, I'm glad mouth. somebody out there is continuing my legacy. <laughs> Of messing with Brian while he sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, and but, you know, the fact that we were joking around and I had never seen Lethal Weapon 2 yet, for some, I still got everything out of it that I really should get, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's less to do with the plot or um, less to do with the actual um, conflict that, you know, arises and, and goes away. But I think it's, I really, it's the friendship. Yeah. That's that's the part that and makes I know it you said you said watching the the friendship develop, but in the case of the Lethal Weapon sequels and some other ones, it's a, it's it's the relationship continuing, yeah. seeing it continue mm-hmm. and, and seeing it challenged. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of those uh, along that same line, uh, one movie, buddy cop movie that goes completely under the radar and it's quite underrated um, is this movie called The Guard with uh, Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle. Oh my God, it's it is such a gold mine of a movie where it's played straight. It's not played as a parody or anything else, but uh, Brendan Gleeson plays this very lazy, derogatory, and racist Irish cop. And uh, Don Cheadle is an FBI agent coming from America because there's this major drug ring that's going on in Ireland. And he's trying to figure it out. And of course, who does he get assigned to in order to do the investigative work? Brendan Gleeson. And it's a lot of playoff. uh, But the thing is, the movie is made and presented like an indie drama. But... If you look through the cracks, like it's totally a buddy cop movie, and it works. It works so well. And of course, like any other buddy cop movie, the entire uh, story, you know, leads up to some major confrontational battle, good versus evil, guns, uh, explosions, helicopters, or in Shane Black's case, shipyard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that dude it, loves shipyards. Yeah, for he some does reason. love shipyards and Christmas. But yeah, with The Guard, I would definitely recommend it for everyone to go see it. Um, again, hmm. Brendan Gleeson playing a racist cop, there are some moments, like Sarah, you had mentioned in 48 Hours, that made you go, whoa! There are some of those in The Guard, but the thing is, the movie as a whole is quite good, and I would definitely recommend it. You were saying something, Brian. 
Yeah, I was just saying that, yeah, Shane Black has this obsession with both shipping docks and <laughs> Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, Christmas themes. And that's, I mean, I'm not sure if it's good to have your movies known by those factors. No. Um, but, you know. It's his signature then? I guess. Yeah. You know? I guess. I mean, yeah. look at uh, Iron Man 3 that made a billion dollars, and it still has shipyards and <laughs> Christmas. Iron Man 3 could have been Leave the Weapon 5. It could have been. It could have been. Um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Christmas. And I think there is a shipyard. There is a shipyard yeah. in the movie. Um, yes. The What's the other movie he wrote with uh, Bruce Willis um, and Marlon Wayans? Oh, The Last Boy Scout. Yeah, was there uh, Christmas in Shipyards in that? That was Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, I'm sorry. They're brothers. One of a thousand Wayans. <laughs> I, I don't know if there was a shipping yard in that. I do know there was one in... I felt like there was one in Lethal Weapon 4. Because, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Yeah, because there's some moment Yeah, there where, was a shipyard because they end up in the water, remember? And then yeah. they have to shoot Jet Li with a harpoon. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only way to kill Jet Li underwater. Yeah, that's right. That didn't with stop him either. He actually fought faster when he was impaled with a harpoon. Yep. That's right. Remember that? <laughs> um, how have we not talked about Men in Black as a buddy cop movie? Yeah, that's oh, totally shit, a buddy that's cop totally movie. Totally a buddy totally cop movie. Totally a motherfucking... Yep. Men, uh, yeah, it's... Not all right, so with Men in Black, it, it follows every single trope of a buddy cop movie, but it adds in that sci-fi element and aliens, and I love it because it totally takes the genre on its head and decides to do something fresh, and it works. Oh, it's that's still, so good. It still contains the same tropes, you know? Uh, it, disgruntled, old, you know, cop. The veteran and the rookie. The veteran and the rookie. The rookie, the young hotshot. Wise cracking. Yeah, wise cracking. And the wise cracking black guy, let's just say it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they both uh, encounter an event that they're both not ready for, but they have to team up in order to defeat uh, the main bad guy and to save the world. I was going to say, Men in Black was, it was 97, and that's kind of when they, they were starting to go, we need no, to 97. come up with yeah. different formulas. Exactly. And that is why it's so memorable, and that's why yeah. it sets itself apart from, and, you don't think of it as a buddy cop movie at first. Exactly. And then a couple of years later, Shanghai Noon comes out. Yeah. And Rush Hour. I think the difference, though, with Men in Black is that Tommy Lee Jones has always kind of seen something in Will Smith, and so it's uh, actually more supportive. It's not an opposing force. Yeah, especially right. when you when you take into account the events of Men in Black 3, it all goes into full perspective. <sighs> oh, God. Which I, I actually, still haven't seen. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, Sarah. Men oh. in Black 2, you can ignore completely. I've yeah. seen Men that Black one. Three, it's oh my god! Like it, it totally makes up for the for Men in Black Two. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. the The way that Men in Black Three ends, and because of how much I love the franchise, I cried a little bit. <laughs> and it was perfect. And, and perfect. Uh, kudos to Josh Brolin for doing yeah. a, a virtually flawless Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Even even just a little. All right. It just it works perfectly. Yes. How so. do you know my name? <laughs> that was good, Sean. That was really good. I love Josh Brolin. Oh, I, I can understand why. Uh, yeah, I've loved him since... No, I'm kidding. I don't really like Josh Brolin that much. Since I like him now, the Goonies. I was going to say since Goonies. Since the Goonies. Since I, the Goonies. I, was a kid, I hated him in the Goonies. Because <laughs> he was a douche he was in the such Goonies. a douche. <laughs> um, only because I was interested in trying to challenge myself with this uh, idea. I tried to see some other very unconventional movies and trying to see if I could turn them into a buddy cop movie. And there's only one that I thought I could do, but it turns out I couldn't. No Country for Old Men. No. Mm. There's a lot of tropes that I think it falls into, but again, it's just Josh Brolin versus Chigger, uh, or played by Javier Bardem. But you also have uh, Woody Harrelson, and you also have uh, Tommy Lee Jones and his rookie cop, though. That's but the don't thing. they? 
But don't they have to work together at some point? They're constantly. That's more of a of a chase movie. Very true. I, yeah. yeah, a best picture movie is a chase movie. I, I'm always fascinated by that. But there was a lot of tropes that I kept coming back to, but obviously didn't really follow through. You know what I think would be awesome if the Coen Brothers actually made a buddy cop movie. That would be so that good. Would I would so totally. Good. I'm not counting Fargo. I would pay all the money for that. I. It, it would be the driest funniest movie oh, that you would ever see. It'd be yeah. so good. It would, it would, like, you buy the movie ticket and it would come with a complimentary cup of water. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be genius. Womp, womp. That's funny. It's actually not too far from the truth, though, because no. unless you get more than that courtesy cup, they will charge you for the cup. That's right. At a movie theater. It's could we Frickin could we consider ghost. the old Batman TV show Buddy Cop show with Rob if you looked at it a certain yeah, way? Adam West, sure. yeah, Borderline, yeah. But they don't butt heads enough. No, they butt no. heads, but not enough. No, no, yeah. I think if Batman and Robin were two opposing vigilantes who were fighting crime in Gotham City, then maybe then they had to team up together. That would totally work. Yeah, <laughs> I would say Batman Brave and the Bold is much more Buddy Cop. Uh, which is the yeah, because he's always teaming series. up with different heroes. Exactly, and they yeah. don't always all get along either. That sounds like the Avengers. The Avengers, a buddy <laughs> the cop Avengers movie? is a buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do and have you got Nick Fury. It, Nick Fury's the yeah, actually he's the, the chief. He's totally the chief. The funny thing is, is it kind of sort. I mean, if we if we were is. able to count Beverly Hills Cop, which has more than just two people as being the the buddy dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think you could make an argument for the Avengers being a body cop movie. Absolutely. They are all opposing forces, especially with the, the Iron Man and Thor brawl. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Iron Man, Thor, um, and... The uh, Iron Man captain. captain. Yeah. 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 Iron Man against everybody, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he makes a buddy cop reference in that moment. <laughs> but you know what, Look folks? over here, point break. You know what, folks? I think we want to hear your favorite buddy cop movie or your favorite buddy film that you think would qualify as a buddy cop film. So let us know. And please don't, uh, I think the word is lambast us with all the other buddy cop movies that we have left out, unfortunately, because I, in my research, I found there was at least 75 or so that fit into the tropes and everything that we had set up. And so unless you feel like it doesn't follow the normal tropes and it was worth mentioning, then of course... Yes. Lambast him all you want. Whoa, 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 no, whoa, no. whoa. No, 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 no. Not at all. Because I would love to hear um, a really good like film theory challenge on a movie that you would not think is a buddy cop, but when you like dig deeper, it turns out to be. That was what I was trying to do with No Country for Old Men, but unfortunately, didn't pan out. Well, guys, if you are interested in contacting us, you can, of course, get to us at our fan pages on Facebook and, of course, our company Twitter at Nerdonomy. You can also reach me personally on Twitter at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16. I'm at Big Sean Mo. And Kevin can be reached by email Kevin at nerdonomy.com. And Although, of course, through our webpage, you can email all of us. Indeed. And with our webpage, you can give us all kinds of cool things like um, a donation. Money! Right? Yeah. Give right. us your money. We just got all one this week um, from Tyler. He's a fan of our history podcast. He sent us a decent donation. Thank you, so Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. It's we will really give nice him a shout out on the history Tyler. podcast as well. Uh, and of course, we definitely need that ceiling, folks. It is currently a crisp 76 degrees in this room right now. Uh, that's bullshit. No, that no, is, that's yeah, complete bullshit. It, it, it feels is like, like it's 80. It is like at least 95 degrees in here. I'm going to say that's 95. I'm like. going to wait. I'm going to actually say it's going to be 84 degrees. So, um, <laughs> no, that, that heater is going to... You couldn't uh, see that, it, but Sarah just grabbed her nipples to tell... I did. Oh. I was like, no, wait, wait, wait. She's wait like, uh, uh. <laughs> that ceiling is going to work wonders for this new air conditioner that you guys have helped us acquire through your donations. And of course, 
It's not just going to go to that. It's also going to go to making sure that we have the best equipment available to make the best podcasts available, including our uh, developing video initiative as well. So if you guys are so inclined, you can click on the donate via PayPal button on our website at neuronomy.com, and any amount is appreciated, anything down from $1 all the way up to 10000 And if you can't donate, just we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, of course. Tell us what we're doing great. Tell us what we're doing wrong. We will listen. We promise. Yeah, and we love episode ideas as well. Like, we have taken several listener feedback ideas for podcasts and turned them into actual episodes, and we have a blast. Yeah. And we have more in the works. Yes. And I just Lots want, more. And I just want to close by saying thank you, guys, because you know what? We're approaching the one-year mark from when we started recording the podcasts. We, did, we launched our podcasts uh, about a month after we started recording them. Um, we've recorded about four in advance for each, and then we just kind of staggered them out. And to think what we've done in that period of time is really astounding. We have listeners all over the world who tune in weekly to our stuff. It's really just amazing. Like, we just wanted to, to talk about movies and talk about history. And we thought we would find an audience, but we, didn't, we, didn't, we had no idea that we would be able to get as loyal of a fan base as we've gotten uh, thus far. So, and, a, and a global impact at that, yeah. Exactly. So, again, to all of our listeners uh, all across the world, particularly the ones that we found uh, in Ireland, England, Australia, uh, I think we found one in the Philippines now as well from, yeah. with, with uh, Cam, thank you guys so much. Thank you. It's truly humbling and awesome. You clearly have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tune in to us next week, same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. Check your asshole. I'm Alan Rickman. (laughs) (laughs) And roll credits. And now... Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I'm too old for this shit.